Hey y'all and welcome back to another inspiring episode of Bedroom Talks where we get financially intimate. I'm your host Dr. Michelle Marie and today we're delving into the fascinating world of financial empowerment and business success all while embracing the beautiful chaos of motherhood. Joining us today is the incredible Kimberly Tara, CPA and CTC, a true powerhouse in the realm of finance, a devoted wife and a superhero mom to four little bundles of joy. Kimberly wears many hats. She's a tax strategist, business growth advisor, and a dedicated advocate for CEO mom service providers. With a passion for helping CEO moms navigate the complex financial landscape, Kimberly and her team are on a mission to help you maximize revenue, reduce taxes, build wealth, and create a lasting legacy. But it's not just about numbers. It's about fostering a supportive community where CEO moms feel empowered to ask those tough tax questions and financial questions, all while maintaining a harmonious work-life balance. Get ready to uncover the secrets to financial success, both in your business and personal life, as Kimberly shares her insights, strategies, and the importance of understanding your financial numbers. This episode is a must-listen for anyone striving to achieve their dream life while excelling at what matters most, family, passion, and success. Hey y'all, get under the covers and get comfortable because we're about to get intimate. No, not that kind of intimate, but close. Did you know that three of the most intimate conversations we can have are sex, mental health, and finances? Probably didn't expect that last one, did you? Financial challenges are actually one of the leading causes of divorce and stress today. A big reason? We don't talk about it. At least not thoroughly, anyhow. That's where I come in. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Marie, a certified wealth coach, best-selling author, and the creator of Bedroom Talks. Get financially intimate a podcast focused on bringing awareness to the importance of financial intimacy and enticing openness to get real in a judgment-free zone. Together, we're going to cover a multitude of financial topics so you can leap toward financial freedom with confidence. Are you ready? Grab your wine or whatever drink you prefer and let's unrobe this topic. All right, y'all, I am so excited for this conversation today because as many of you are working toward uh, building wealth and changing your financial circumstances, I know that you're starting businesses. And as we start businesses, there's a lot more questions about finances from the business realm that were like, what the heck? (laughs) I know me personally trying to figure out the tax code is like, what? I just... (laughs) want to cry in a bathtub. Um, So that is why I'm absolutely excited to have Kimberly here today to kind of chat with us. So welcome, Kimberly. So excited to have you. Um, I'll give you a moment to say hi, and then we'll kind of move into the conversation. 
Sure. Yeah. No, I'm so excited to be here. This is absolutely my wheelhouse. Anything that talks about money, finances, I am here for it. And I have to say that like you took my bio and you amped it up. You put some, I'm like, dang, I need to, I need to steal Michelle's words in here. She's, it's funny because like, I think especially as women, and we could talk about this today too, we don't give ourselves enough credit for things, right? Like, you know, like we're never going to put like those like superpowers and like, we're never going to put those adjectives, those strong adjectives in there that really describe who we are. Somebody else is going to do it for us, right? So I'm like, dang, I need to go steal that that bio. (laughs) I'll send it to you. You can have it. Thank you. Um, So, but yeah, so like Michelle said, uh, I'm Kimberly Tara. I'm a CPA and certified tax coach. I am a wife, uh, a mom to four little kids. We have three boys and a girl. No, we were not trying for a girl. We were just having another baby, but we are so blessed to have a little girl with us and her brothers love her hard, but also um, are very protective of her. I am a business owner times three. I've had my first business for seven and a half years now. And um, like Michelle said, we partner with CEO mom service providers and and some some female service providers who are not moms, but um, I'm just in that mom phase of life right now. But uh, I love what I do. I love educating on finances, taxes, money, having all those conversations, because I think that there is just such a financial literacy gap that we need to bridge, especially for women. And so that is really why I am passionate about spreading this message, spreading this education, but in a way that's fun, that's easy to understand. We're not here to have like your old, boring, dry accounting conversation. So um, I'm super excited for today, Michelle. I love it. And yes, no, just nothing nothing having to do with boring that we do not want that at all uh okay so let's start off talk with us a little bit about how you even got started into this like not everybody is going to be passionate about doing anything with taxes or accounting or anything of that nature so how did you like decide that this is what you want to do and you know i guess what keeps you passionate about it yeah so it's a journey. I think everything in life is a journey, right? And and entrepreneurship is for sure a journey. Our relationship with money is a journey. Our um our wealth accumulation, it's a journey, right? So I think that that's the first thing that I want to say is this is all a journey and most unlike what you see on social media a lot of times, most things are not overnight successes or some mm-hmm. these changes don't come overnight. So I'll start with, I'm the child of two entrepreneurs. So dinner conversations were an economics lesson every night, basically, right? And it, it was just the way that I grew up. And I really didn't realize what a blessing and how fortunate that I was to grow up with that. And that that there was no, um, neither of my parents made any distinctions between my brother and me. There was no like, oh, we're only talking to the boy about money or I was very fortunate that I was treated equally. And I'm also like, and so it's funny, people don't know when you see me sitting like this, I'm five one. I'm teeny tiny. I'm five one and petite. My husband's six three. And so like when you see us together, it's 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 really, really funny. So when I, I meet people, when I meet people in person, they're like, wow, you're little. And I'm like, I guess you've only seen me sitting down on a Zoom call. And so because I have a big presence, I have a lot of confidence, right? And and I, I want to also say that I still struggle with imposter syndrome and I'm working on things like that. But as a rule, I have a lot of confidence. And so I've never 
I've never worried about being a girl or thinking that I can't do something. I may not want to do something like I do not want to kill bugs or take out the trash. And my husband does that, <laughs> but, but I can, I'm capable. Right. And so um, there was never a distinction in my house growing up about what conversations were being had or anyone being left out. And my parents were, um, pretty honest about money conversations and what was going on in their business and what was going on with the family. And if it was a rough month and they were making sure that, you know, they met payroll for their employees and, and we, you know, we didn't take home a paycheck um, because we have more of a cushion than some of their employees might've had. And, and those were just open, honest conversations. And there, there were learning lessons every day of my life. And so until I got older and started having friends and like we got to adulthood, we became the grownups, right? When we started having these conversations and my friends were having questions, it did, it didn't really dawn on me just how fortunate I was to learn that. And that, that I think I learned it, but I think it's also how my mind is like, it's just, it's a genetic thing, right? Like my parents are entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur. It's how my brain thinks. So, um, I actually never, I didn't go to school to be an accountant. I went to school college to be a chemical engineer. That was why I chose to go to the college that I did. I liked chemistry as a sophomore in high school. What do you do with a love of chemistry? I, you know, chemical engineer or chemist. And I'm not like a, you can tell my personality is way too bubbly to sit in the research lab all day, but <laughs> So I was like, I'll be a chemical engineer. They make good money. You know, I'm not going to lie. I, I wanted something that made good money. I was also paying out-of-state tuition. So I knew that I needed a career that would allow me to, to pay that back. So three and a half years into chemical engineering, two internships later, um, I decided it wasn't for me. I think that it was a couple of things. I you Engineering is a hard degree. It's a hard discipline. As mm -hmm. chemical, it's one of the hardest. And if you don't really love it, it's, it's really, really hard. To, to get through it, to be honest. And I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So when I was seeing B's and C's, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not like, I'm not good at this. Right. And everybody was making B's and C's and D's. Um, but I just woke up and I was like, this, this is not what I'm supposed to do, but I had a plan. I'm a planner. I'm type A, like those little core things that you think about an accountant. I am that person. And so I didn't have a backup plan. So here I am. I must've been like 20 years old, three plus years in, what am I going to do? So I didn't know what I was going to do. So I, I stayed in my engineering classes, kept working hard, but I was in that semester as I was feeling those thoughts coming up that like, I don't think that this is what I'm supposed to be doing long-term. And my goal was always to get my bachelor's in chemical engineering and then get my master's, get an MBA. So I knew mm -hmm. I to do a more businessy role, but for a manufacturing company or a technical firm or, and, and have that engineering degree to fall back on. Um, so I sat in a accounting class for non-business majors. And when I sat in there and I listened to this, is what I'm supposed to be doing right here. This is it. And within two weeks, I had switched all of my classes for the next semester. Um, I had switched to the College of Business from the College of Engineering. My advisor emailed me and she was like, I don't I don't think you registered for any engineering classes. What's going on? And I was like, oh yeah, I, I didn't email you because I didn't want to let you down, but I'm switching majors. I'm, I'm peacing out. Um, so that's when I switched into accounting. And so I felt kind of behind because I hear I was a junior, like halfway through my junior year, engineering was a five-year program. So I still had time in school left, but I was like 21 hours trying to like get as many classes in as I could. And so then I needed to figure out okay, so what does my career look like as an accountant? I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but that's all I know. And I had to go back to the basic classes. So um, wound up 
finishing my accounting degree, most, if you want to be, a, I knew I needed to become a CPA, a certified public accountant, right? I needed to have that licensure and that background behind me because I had all of these student loans, right? From going to an out of state university. And I had a good, you know, paying salary that I was going to be anticipating with an engineer. So I needed to make sure that, you know, I still was going to command a decent salary because I'm still staring at all these loans that I have to pay back. And I had a lot of scholarships because there aren't a lot of women in engineering. So I had a lot of scholarships for things like that, that I lost when I switched majors. So went into public accounting. That's a pretty typical trajectory for accounting majors. And um, the only thing is I didn't get my CPA. I didn't take the CPA exams while I was in school um, because I didn't get my master's. A lot of a lot of uh, CPAs are getting their master's now because of the educational requirements. And so then they just like the way that they do it, they study and take the exam while they're in school and they take less classes. I didn't do that. I went into public accounting. I got thrown into busy season. And um, so it took a couple months, we got married, my husband and I got married that that April. And then that summer, I started studying for the CPA exam. And um, I didn't realize that this was such a big accomplishment. But I've had some mindset coaches help me realize that passing all of the CPA exams in eight months on the first try is like actually a really huge accomplishment that most wow. That's not how most people, especially while working a full-time job during the day, right? So, um, so now it's something I'm like, oh, I'm you know, I'm proud of that. Like that was, you know, like, I, and I did work really hard. Um, you know, that was a lot of sacrifices. Uh, we have this um, hutch downstairs that my husband, like, um, he's very good with his hands. He stripped the varnish. We found it at a place called the Dump in Atlanta, but it's like a place where you buy stuff. It's not an actual dump. It's just like mm -hmm. a, like a highly discounted like furniture warehouse or something like that. So like one of the doors was messed up. It was this ugly orange thing. And that was basically like, we still have it today. I'm never getting rid of it. It's so heavy to move. And he like, that was what he did while I studied all night, all weekend for these exams for eight months after we had just got married. We have this like beautiful hutch that had, he stripped, he, he re sanded and like painted and all this stuff. And so it's just like, that's a funny, mem that's a fun memory to look back on in our lives. Um, so I went into public accounting and I spent some time in the audit department. I spent some time in the tax department, the forensic and special matters group. And that was that was um, a very good learning experience for me. I went to a medium-sized firm instead of a, a one of the big four, like the Deloitte's, the PwC's, the, the main ones you hear about. And I, I'm so glad I did that because I learned so much. I got exposed to so much. And I had already done like really big company internships in chemical engineering, and I just wasn't looking for that feel. So after about four years in public accounting, um, we wanted to move back home to New Orleans. We were in Atlanta at the time where we both started our careers. And um, um, instead of getting another public accounting job here, I decided it was, I knew deep down, like I would always have my own business. I just didn't think that that would happen at 25. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, thought I needed to be older and wiser and more experienced, but, um, I had this realization, the busy season before I, uh, resigned from my, my public accounting career, watching this mom, FaceTime her, her son to bed every night. She was pregnant. She was a manager at the time. And I was watching her FaceTime him to bed like four nights in a row because we were all working super late nights. And it was like, I just I had a moment. I was like, I don't want that to be me. Like, I don't, I don't want, I always mm -hmm. knew I wanted kids. Right. And I feel like it was one of those things when I look back, it was, 
engineering would have been much harder to make work as a mom. It's it's still, you know, even in the year 2023, it's very male dominated. Accounting is really still very male dominated in the year 2023, especially at those top levels. And this is why, because I don't, I don't want to be a partner at a firm where I'm working till eight, nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night, five or six nights out of the week for four months straight. And I got to FaceTime my kids and put them to bed. And so that was a really stark realization to me that this, this trajectory, this path for my career is very misaligned with my personal goals of wanting to be a mom. And I only wanted two kids at the time, just so y'all know, but you know, here we are four kids later, <laughs> um, four planned kids later, but, but four kids later. Um, and so that was, that was, I was like, you know what? Well, there's, there's no, you know, it's a great time now to, to try this thing. And, you know, I had, it's scary. It is really scary to leave a nice W2 paying job where you get, you get a paycheck every other week and they pay for, they pay for my health insurance and they pay for my licenses and they pay for my continuing education. And I had a, you know, I had a Roth 401k. I had all the things, but I didn't feel like I had my time and my freedom. And I also didn't like that I couldn't speak with clients directly. Like I was just sitting Mm. in a cube, like doing the work. And I was so far away from being able to communicate with the clients. And I love that part of my job. I love getting to talk to my clients directly. I love getting to brainstorm and kind of be put on the spot and be like, all right, what can we do? How can we fix this? I love the challenge and the puzzle pieces. And I think that that's the like, the engineering part of my brain that I still love that shines through in the challenges of the day-to-day and putting the puzzle pieces together. And I just wasn't getting that. And so when we moved back to New Orleans, I was like, let's do it. But I made all the mistakes as a, as a new business owner, um, even, even being on the financial side, even knowing the numbers, even growing up as the child of two entrepreneurs, um, I made all the mistakes, right? I was take, I would say yes to every single client because I was so worried that I wasn't going to replace my W-2 income and I was going to have to go back and I was going to have to find a job here. Right. And we found out we were 10 weeks pregnant at the time when, um, when I started my business, that was not planned, but we had to roll with it. So I was like, I don't want to go back to public accounting and having a full-time job because we have this baby coming, but you know, and that brought its own set of challenges with, you know, starting, starting my business and starting our family at the same time. And that's a whole different story for a different day. But, um, I took on every client that was like, Oh, you're an accountant. I need accounting help. So if it was, if it was payroll, if it was creating financials, if it was bookkeeping, consulting tax, or, I mean, you name it, I did it. I was severely undercharging. I was driving Mm -hmm. all over creation in this town. Um, I added it up. A coach had me added up one time. I was driving 12 hours a week and I wasn't even charging them for it. I wasn't even charging them enough, like when I was there. So I've done all the things wrong. And and I think that that is actually what allows me to bring a really unique perspective to our clients. And we take a very holistic approach to tax strategy, tax planning and tax preparation, because I just have like that entrepreneurial brain, that accounting background, I've been there, done that. And so now we only do tax strategy, tax planning, and tax preparation for our clients, but from a holistic perspective. And um, we just really provide a lot of support for our clients. And I really, really love what I do. Um, But I had slow growth because we kind of had a busy season personally. So my business has experienced slow but steady growth. And you know, I'm grateful when, when people ask me, well, why don't you make more money or why, why haven't you grown your business? And, um, I'm honest that, that I put my family first, but that I'm grateful for my business and how it served 
our family, how I've been able to give our clients premium service, right? And, and, and giving our clients premium service, that means we don't take on every client. We don't overwhelm ourselves with the number of clients we take on. And so I, I found the right fit for me, for my family, for our clients, for my team that I'm bringing on. And that's really, really exciting. And um, I always joke that we're doing we're doing the things that most business owners don't want to do. Most business owners do not go into business for themselves because they are excited about having to file business tax returns and think about tax strategy and think about the finances. That's not why they do it, but it's no. such a critical component to the success of business. And so we are here to be a partner to business owners um, so that they can have someone in their corner guiding them in that very, very important factor of being a business owner. It's a whole journey. There, <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely, 100% journey. I mean, I could sit here and probably talk for a whole hour and a half about the journey that I've been through. Um, I was thinking about you were talking earlier about your husband and how he, you know, was, you know, found this piece of furniture and was like sanding it down and fixing it up. And um, you, you know, you refuse to get rid of it because it was a part of the journey as a memory from a part of the journey. Right. So I actually have a very similar experience to that, where when I went through uh, what I call my financial crisis season and I had to move into Incapace housing and go to the food bank, I was like so like I, I was in a depression and the anxiety was high. And I was like, I got to find a way to keep myself moving, keep myself occupied so that, you know, I don't stay in this because otherwise I would come home from work, which I barely made it to in the first place and just say, lay on the couch and sleep. Right. And that was not good for me. So I was like, I got to get up. I got to do something. Right. And so I had this table that I had found at the uh, Goodwill like three years prior. And I had this like orangey color to it, like, like a, the real, it, it was more like a tan orange. Like it was, uh -huh. it, I don't know. Ugly. It was a, it, ugly. Yeah. Uh, ugly. Yes. That's, that's oh. similar to ours. <laughs> like super ugly. And I was like, what the, you know, okay, I need to fix this up. So I borrowed a sander from a coworker and got some sandpaper and went out and I decided a stain color and everything. And I sanded that table down. I mean, I would come home from work and I would just spend an hour or two just sanding it down the table, the legs, the chairs. I mean, I took those chairs completely apart mm -hmm. and redid everything. I even refabriced the chairs because the, the fabric on the church, which by the way, it was really funny because there was actually somebody else had done the same thing. So I had to take two layers of fabric off the chairs, oh not just one. And they were both horrendous and dirty and <laughs> refabricated. And I had no idea what I was doing at yeah, all. But we learn as like, we go, like, right? Exactly. Exactly. But I still, like, I could walk into my, my dining area right now. I still have that table. That's been nine years since I walked through that season. And I still have that table. It still needs a little bit more fixing up. But I'm not getting rid of it because it's a part of that journey, right? And it's it's memories, it's part of my life, and it's a reminder of what I've been through, what I've walked through, all the hard work that I put in, right? Like and and for you, like even though it was your husband that was doing it, it's still a reminder for you of what you were doing during that season and how hard you worked, right? Yeah. So yep. 
I love that. I love that you shared that. And like, it just, uh, we got to hold on to those things, no matter how small yeah. it is, you got to hold on to those things and keep those memories. I think it, it really, uh, on the days that it's hard and frustrating, when we look at that thing and we're like, okay, that's the why that's the why. Right. Yeah. Um, but I also want to go back to something you said at the very beginning of uh, the conversation and about your childhood and about how, you know, your parents were very open about money, very open about financial conversations. I had a completely different experience. And I know many of my listeners had a completely yep. different experience. I've, right? I've learned that we are very, I, I thought that that was how everybody did it. Right. But what I've learned is we are the exception, not the rule very much. Yeah. And like, I actually grew up, my parents divorced at a very young age and my mom moved us away to another state and I didn't get to be around my dad growing up because she moved us to another state and it was just her. And basically I was raised by a single mom by her choice and we didn't talk about money. I watched a lot of things happen. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to go, she had to go to a food bank at one point growing up. We had our lights cut off multiple times. We had food stamps at one point. There were a lot of things that we struggled with. I remember my very first pair of name brand shoes. Okay. I was in sixth grade. And the only reason I got these shoes is because they were on sale. And I cringe at the amount today because <laughs> think about how much shoes cost. They were $30. They were on sale for $30. And my mom's, one of my mom's friends decided to go in half because they, she, she knew that like I wanted something nice. And so she paid $30 for these pair of shoes and they were a pair of Fila's. Wow. They were black with the gold lettering. I remember to this day, I will never forget those shoes because it was so big that I could get a pair of name brand anything. Mm -hmm. like, we didn't even have name brand like mac and cheese. Okay, yeah. growing up, right? <laughs> like it was, yeah. it was bananas. But we never talked about the why. Why was it happening? Why were we struggling with money? Like none of that happened. And I ended up going into adulthood with the same behaviors, even though I knew something was wrong, even though I didn't like it, I didn't understand the why behind it. Understand why was I struggling with money? And it took and I was 30, 31 years old before I started really realizing I had to go through this financial crisis mm -hmm. and basically almost go through uh, foreclosure and bankruptcy because I didn't understand. Now, don't get me wrong. There were a couple of times where a couple people tried to help me understand what was going on, but mm -hmm. I was so in my own stuff that I wasn't listening. Right. So I, I wanted to highlight that because there are people right now that are raising children, young mm -hmm. children. And it's like, you have to talk about this stuff. Okay. Yep. I know it can be embarrassing. I know it can be frustrating depending on their age. Sometimes you can't go as in depth, mm -hmm. right? Yep. You don't have to, you know, tell literally everything, but you've got to talk about money. You got to talk about, you know, the, the struggles don't pretend like everything's perfect when stuff is not perfect because yep. it's not going to help them as an adult. Nope. That applies all. to everything in life, right? Like oh, that, yeah. like not just money, but like all these parents and I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but this is, it's a passion project that I'm actually working on on the side is, is more about how we, I, and I talk a lot about it on, on in general, how we 
educate ourselves so that we can be better to educate because it starts with with us right as as the parent and the reality is you know mom is is usually the primary caregiver we're seeing some shifts with that but that's the reality and so the more educated that we as women can be about money and finances and economics the more that we're mm -hmm. able to pass that knowledge on to our children and break that cycle but you're right being open and honest is the start of them having a better relationship with money and finances than most of our generation and the generations before us. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Okay. So let's get into a little bit about this conversation of like the, the work-life balance piece, mm -hmm. right? Like you're a mom of four, you're running a business, your husband, he, if I remember correctly, he had worked a corporate job. Yep. Correct? He's a full-time engineer. So we did. So that was like one good thing that came out of engineering. We both tutored for the college of engineering together. So like when I tell people we're nerds, I'm like, we are, we are major nerds and like we embrace it, but yeah. So he's a full-time engineer with a corporate, with a corporate job. Nice. So you had mentioned kind of like the slow growth of your business and sometimes you know it, it, it appears to some people like you're not doing enough you're not growing enough you're not making enough money yep. and trust me i get it i still work a full-time job currently and i have my business on the side and i have a goal within the next couple of years to be out of my full-time job because that's my my business is what fuels my passion most mm -hmm. right and so i'm being strategic about it so although i have i have a son he's an adult son now in college <laughs> lots of fun there lots of fun there fyi nobody warned you but adult parenting like parenting adult children is the hardest don't tell me that i'm just oh trying to get through time just... trying to get... no don't tell me that because i need i have to believe right now when people tell me that i'm like no i have to believe because our kids are six four He's going to be five on Monday, six, almost five, three and one. And right now that, Ooh. that, that three-year-old y'all, he, we're supposed to talk about making green choices and not red choices. And I'm like, Beckett, is that a green choice? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, how can we make a green choice? Like, I don't want to make green choices. And I'm like, like, what do you say that? What do you say that? So I need to believe, okay, Michelle, I need to believe that it is going to get easier. Do not tell me that because it, right now it's tough. You see, you know what? I have to specify. It's not that it doesn't get easier. The hard part is it becomes with us, right? Because you have no control over what they do once they're out of your house. No. Once I they're know. adults, right? And so all of these things we're talking about right now are going to help. Now, yes. I wasn't thinking about some of this stuff when I was when I was younger and when I was raising him because I had him when I was 21. So right. I was still growing up in the process, right? right? So um, if you can wait, wait, <laughs> grow up first <laughs> and then do it, right? But anyways, um, but you know, you 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 have four children, you have a business, your husband works, and yes, it is a lot. And and there are there are women out there who that you know what my passion is i want to stay at home with my kids and my husband can work and provide for us and that is amazing and there are challenges there's there's challenges they're going through as well challenges uh, no matter how you do it there's there's going to be exactly we all have challenges exactly but there's women that are like no i want to run my business and yet i still want to be a mom and i still want to be a wife and that's fantastic uh but sometimes it's wonky it's like, what the heck? How do I figure this out? There's so much to do, you know. So talk to us a little bit about 
you know, how do you strategize your day? I know you said you're a planner. I'm a planner too. <laughs> so like, how do you strategize your day? And even for the people that maybe aren't so much planners, like how can they use some of your techniques to kind of help their day go a little bit better and then feel a little bit more successful at the end of the day? Yeah. So, wow. This is a great question. I haven't talked about this in a while. Um, so first off, I want to say that asking for help and recognizing that you have to say no and letting go. Those are probably three of the biggest shifts that I've made in the last, I'd probably say two years, like right around when our third child was born, because I hope y'all can't hear my child in the background. I'm so sorry. But that, okay. that would be world crying. Um, so those were three big shifts because with the birth of each child, I became abundantly aware of how much less time I was about to have, right? Like, like you have these children that need you. And so with, with the addition of each child, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have even less time. And the fourth time I'm going to have even less time. So asking for help, being, saying yes, when people ask if you need help, mm -hmm. letting go of things and saying no, those have been three just um, really big shifts for me. And those have been really hard like really hard shifts for me. Um, when the room mom form came home last year, uh, I was, we had just had our fourth baby and I told my husband, I was like, throw those away, hurry up and throw them away before I put my name on it. Because like I'm a three wing two Enneagram. So I'm a, I'm a high achiever with the wing of a helper. I was like, throw those forms away, throw them away. Because like, I, like I want, like, not only do I want to help the class in the school, but like, I, I feel like I'm letting my kids down if I'm not room mom. But the reality is we can't do it all. So I think like having that realization that like, I can't do everything well, like that was really big because we actually have a, a family blog on the side and I've had to put that on evergreen and take a step back from the blog because I realized that I couldn't create a successful blog and create a successful tax practice and run rental properties and be a present mom and have Kimberly still be Kimberly, right? And be pregnant and chase Tyler. Like it's like, I'd like to think that I'm superhuman, but the reality is I'm not. And so um, I think that those those three things, if, if you're, if you're a mom, if you're a business owner, even if you work a corporate job, right? Like letting go our house right now, everybody's like, Oh, your background looks so pretty. I'm like, this is the one, this is, this is, this is it. This is the background right here. Like, this is the <laughs> only thing if you look over here. I've got a play yard where my one-year-old has to go. If she's in my office with me, because I'm working and we don't have childcare. Right. And, uh, I've had to let like, Sometimes the clothes just stay in the hamper unfold and they don't actually even make it into the drawers before the kids have to wear them again. But you know what? You know what I told myself? They're clean. They're clean yep. clothes. Clothes in the hamper. Um, they have clean underwear to put on. And and so um, I don't, I've kind of let go. I've had to let go of this like perfectionism and like the house is nice and, and we make it to all the events and everybody has perfectly curated lunches. No, sometimes they just get a freaking uncrustable throne. You know, they get an uncrustable with a bag of chips from Aldi because we're dye free here and a fruit roll up and fruit for my two that will eat fruit. My oldest won't eat fruit. And you call it lunch, right? Like that's lunch for the day. And so I think that that's, um, that's kind of on the home front, how, how I'm making it. On the business front, I had a major, major shift last October. So our daughter was four months old. Our fourth child was four months old. I thought, hmm, you're going to laugh at this because you're like, yeah, that's funny, Kimberly. You know, all these things that you like 
think uh, like you think as like a not mom or a new parent. And then like, when you get to that stage, you're like, well, I was wrong about that, you know? And mm -hmm. there's not a lot, like a lot of things that I said, I wouldn't let my kids do. We actually really don't like, I said that they weren't going to have syrup until they were five. Cause I don't do sticky messes. Nobody like our four-year-old is so excited. He's probably going to ask for pancakes or waffles on his, for his birthday breakfast because he can have syrup now. Like we, I've stuck, <laughs> I've, like, I've held true to those things. But one thing that I thought was that when they all went to school, because that was the thing, Michelle, I kept saying, well, I'm going to grow my business when everybody's in school, which is about, you know, age four, right? So then we had another kid. Then we had another kid. And I'm like, well, shit, like these kids are never going to all be in school, right? Like I'm, <laughs> like, I'm going to be 20 years into business by the time I get all these kids in school. I was like, so, so that's not going to work. And, um, I also thought that when I got everybody to school, I was magically going to have seven hours a day, five days a week. But you know what? Any moms listening know where I'm about to go with this. You get called because you need to come change the underwear because they had an accident. Somebody's sick. Somebody forgot their lunch. Somebody forgot their homework. Somebody, I want to be present, right? So I want to go be art, not, not be art mom, but go like do things. I'm not artsy, y'all. I'm a numbers person. But like when they invite parents to come help with whatever the art project is, I want to be there for 90% of the things that parents can be at school for. I want to go teach the fair dance practices. I'm room mom this year. And my friends are like, why are you doing that? You don't have time. And I'm like, but Hunter asked me and he wants me to be room mom. He's been asking for two years. I'm not letting him down. I will find a way to make it work, right? I want to be present for all those things. But you start running to school times, four kids, 30 minutes here and there. I'm like, well, shit, that's like, I'm not going to have seven hours. And so that yeah. was a real turning point for me last fall, having the baby at home, our fourth baby, having one in preschool, two in big kids school, and having to run to all these schools three times a day sometimes. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not going to have that. And so what I really realized was that going it alone in my business is actually keeping me small. And I need to apply the same principles of delegating like I'm doing at home and asking for help and all of these things. I need to do that in my business. And that actually, and, and I had, look, I'm a money person. I think I have a pretty good relationship with money and finances in comparison to, to a lot of women, especially out there. But I still had this mindset that I couldn't have a seven-figure business and be a present mom. That was a story mm. that I was telling myself that that money changes people and that if we had that much money or if my business was that big, I was always going to be working and being around my team and serving my business. But you know what the reality is? Having a seven-figure business, and I'm just throwing out seven figures. It doesn't. I, I don't actually need seven figures to have a team, but that is a goal that we are shooting for at some point. But I actually needed to hit um, you know, to hire on a CPA that is of the quality that I require for my clients and the way that we serve, I needed mm -hmm. to bring in an extra $125,000 in gross revenue to make that a reality. That's not a small number to bring in, right? Like that's like, that's numbers. So we, I knew that we needed to double in firm size for me to be able to bring on qualified help and support. And so that is what I've set my eyes on in 2023. And it's so that, so really leaning into team in my business and saying, um, actually the bigger we are, Within reason, I don't. I don't have this vision of of, of having like a hundred people working for me. That's I, I. I'll draw the line somewhere. But being a little bit bigger and having other team members 
on our team to support our clients will actually give me more freedom and still provide a better client experience because I have support. And I I don't know how it happened. I know when it happened. I don't know exactly how it happened, but I had that shift and I got over that 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 mindset of well no one can serve my clients as well as I do. Nobody can mm-hmm. do what I do. They can't. They can't, right? And what I've realized is I'm kind of a unicorn in the fact that I'm I'm a real tax technical geek and I'm I'm really really smart when it comes to taxes, but I'm also really really personal, personable and I love talking with my clients and I can explain things in an easy to understand way and I can listen to what they need and consult them on the spot. And so what I realize is I'm kind of looking for two people. I'm not looking for another Kimberly. I'm looking for somebody who's like kind of a geeky tax nerd accountant who loves geeking out on taxes. And then a client success manager who's really good at, you know, who still has a financial background, but is really good at communicating with the clients and hearing their needs and explaining things to them in a way that they can understand. And so that's how I, so I started building out my organization chart and what that looked like in the next three to five years. And I got over this mindset that make my business making more money meant I was going to be a bad mom because I think it's actually quite the opposite for me. And I'm just speaking for me. I'm not speaking for other moms and other business owners out there. But for me, leaning into team and creating a a bigger group to support me and to support our clients is actually going to let me be a better, more present mom while still making sure that our clients are being served. Because for the last seven years, I felt this tug of, you know, I want to be the best mom and I want to be 100% mom, but I also want to give 100% to my clients. Our clients have a very elevated experience working with us and I didn't want that to suffer at all. And so that has been just a huge shift in how I'm thinking, how I'm approaching and I call it work-life integration. I don't call it work-life balance because I think balance is a load of horse hockey. It, there's no way to actually make that happen, even as hard as we try. So like integrating the two and figuring out how to make it work. And that's having support on the personal side, but also now having more support on the business side as well. I love it. Um, so kind of what I take from what you said, and, and you know, I kind of had to do this myself. So uh, growing up, I mean, I was technically the middle child. Um, and so anybody who is a middle child understands middle child syndrome. We have one. However, when my, my, mm, excuse me, my brother went, get, but before he went into high school, he was too much. He was ADHD and he was too much to handle for my mom. So she had him go stay with my dad throughout high school. And then he joined the military from there. Um, I became the oldest child, Mm -hmm. essentially, at that point, I had my my younger sister, and then my mom had gotten remarried, and he had a daughter, and she was in the household, and she was younger. So I became that oldest child. And then um, I joined the military. And then there were other things in my life. And so I've always been like this, I got to do it all. I got to fix it. I got to, you know, this, I got to do that, whatever. Right. And so it's been a journey for me, especially as I got out of the military and start like retraining my brain that I don't have to be perfect and I don't have to do it all. Right. And although I, you know, had gotten to a place where I wasn't, you know, raising young children, there's still a lot of things between work and business and trying to have a life and everything else is the same concepts, right? And so we do, we tell ourselves that 
I got to be super mom. I got to be super woman. And you know what? You can be, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to do everything. Right. Okay. Let's call, let's, let's bring in this conversation of superheroes and the super superhero movies and things like that. Guess what? None of them do it on their own completely. Every single one of those types of movies and shows has a team of individuals that that superhero is working with, whether it's like you're just watching this, the Spider-Man movie, right? Spider-Man is still collaborating with the police force in the, yep. the movies and the shows, right? Like there's, there's people he's collaborating with, right? And literally, and they have every- all these like tools and gadgets too, like, right. you know, and so we could talk about that, like, and I'll, I'll, I'll share like some of my calendar things, right? But like, that's a tool and a gadget. And if you think about those superheroes, they have some pretty cool tools and gadgets that they use to help them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we have to do that. Sometimes that's what it means. Sometimes it's, you know, asking for help from people. And sometimes it's realizing that we need tools like a planner is one of the easiest tools that you can incorporate. And it doesn't have to be complex. I figured out what works best for me is in the morning, take five minutes and write down the things that I have to do that day and the things that I want to do to that day. I prioritize the things that I have to do. And if I can fit in things that I want to do as well, great. If I don't, no big deal. Let's try again the next day, right? Yep. It's as simple as that. For me, um, it's a very simple Google calendar, right? And there like, you go. It's not on the calendar. It does not happen. Like, I, y'all, I've been the worst mom this week. I've, I forgot to take my son to his Code Ninjas last week. And so then I tried to take him on Monday. Well, guess what? They're closed on Mondays. We can't go on Tuesdays and Thursdays because we already have other commitments. So I was going to take him on Wednesday. Well, guess what? I forgot again. It's It's been deadline week here. And so then on Friday, I was going to take him. And my dad texted me because he was going to pick him up. And he's like, hey, did you drop Hunter off at Code Ninjas? And I was like, no, I forgot again. And I'm like, I really need to put it on my calendar because if it's not on the calendar and it's such a simple thing, y'all, but like, I don't know why I didn't put this thing on the calendar, but it's not on the calendar. It's not going to happen. But y'all, I operate my entire life basically off of a Google calendar. Mm-hmm. No, I same. I mean, between the calendar and the planner and I'll balance things back. If I'm doing my planner, I'll pull yep. out my calendar and say, hey, what meetings do I have scheduled? Right. Because uh, there's some tasks that I want to get done that are not going to necessarily be an appointment and Mm -hmm. if I put them on the calendar like it's not it's not enough of a reminder for me but so that that goes to that we're all different right we all are motivated differently we all process differently so figure out what works best for you just you don't have to do exactly the same as somebody else right I also um, have a paper planner and a, and a, <laughs> and a CRM. But remember, like I'm running like a full business with a team. Right. So my team is in the CRM. That's where my tasks live. I have my work Google calendar. And then I have our family calendar integrated because like my husband would miss things. And I'd be like, you know what? We're just going to nip this in the butt. I'm going to put it on the calendar and it's going to show up on on your iCal and just ding you. Like, we, you know, like we had to find those yep. little things that I, like he, he has a ADD. Like, I know they don't call it that anymore. Now it's like ADHD, but without the hyper activity or whatever. So like he would never put it on the calendar. So I just put it on the calendar and it like we have a joint calendar. Um, And so, yeah, so and sometimes like, look, it's okay if you need all three. I have a paper planner. I have a running to do list. I have my CRM and I have my calendars like on like on the computer. It's okay if you need more than one thing. Yeah. And you might still forget to bring your kid to their practice. (laughs) absolutely uh thinking about all of that and that you know we can't do everything uh like and and the way you said it i love it was we can't do everything well 
No. Right? Well, you can try to do all the things, but you're not going to be um, as efficient in the things that you're doing if you're trying to do all the things. So uh, we have to figure out, and, and there's there's a way that my uh, a good friend of mine, who's also uh, a business, my business coach, um, she explains it, and there's is like a whole like theory and research behind it. And it's like the zog, the zoink, and some other. There's like four ways to explain. Okay, it. I've so never heard that one before. It's it's. I don't remember exactly how. I think it's like a Japanese like okay. model or whatever. But basically, it's like figuring out where your area of genius is, right? Oh and yeah, so that must be like the zone of genius for exactly. Quadrants. Okay, cool. exactly, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So your your area of genius, like that's where you're going to excel and perform the the best, and probably even the most effortlessly, right? Yes. And then you've got some other areas. Um, and I don't remember all of them specifically, but the, the area that like, you're like, this is absolutely not my area. This is Your no way. Incompetence. Is exactly. So this is all from the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. If you haven't read it or if any of your listeners uh-huh. haven't read it, it's The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I highly recommend it. Yes. So that area right there, that zone of incompetence, that's the area where we're like, I want to puke thinking about this, right? Most of the time for most people, um, whether it's personal or business, but especially for business, that area is taxes and accounting. (laughs) I didn't know you were going there with that, but yeah, you're probably right. I mean, it's the truth. Like they're like, I don't get it. Like I don't understand the thing. Right. So I, we're, we're getting close to the hour. So I want to start wrapping this up, but I also want to leave the listeners with like a couple of tips that they can start to incorporate because some of them might not be at the point where they can go ahead and pull, you know, hire on, you know, accountant or tax professional, which try to work that out as my suggestion and get that be your first person that you try to hire. But until then, um, what are a couple of like tips that you can give when it comes to accounting slash taxes for people that are just starting off Mm -hmm. that they can incorporate? Yeah, love that. Okay, so a couple of different things. Know that you need to probably, if you have a business, even if you're a sole proprietor, right, and you're filing on Schedule C and you're just using your social security number to collect that income, make sure you're aware that you have to file that as a tax return. More than likely, if you're just starting out, like I said, it's going to be Schedule C on Form 1040. The next thing is keeping track of your numbers And more importantly, keeping track of your numbers throughout the year. Please, please, please don't wait. We're in the year 2023. Please don't wait until January or February to put your numbers together for your accountant or whoever. if somebody's preparing your tax return. You should know where your numbers are. Like when the month closes, let's let's take September, for example. When September comes to a close, by October 10th, you should know all of the income that you've had through September 30th and all of the expenses that you've had from through September 30th because you need numbers to make decisions, to make data-driven decisions in your business. Um, and I actually have a template, Michelle, for profit and loss numbers. Um, remind me, and I can I can share that with you and in, in your community because it doesn't have to be QuickBooks. It doesn't have to be some software that you're paying with. It can literally be as simple as a spreadsheet for you to track all of your income, all of the money that you've collected that people have paid you for, and all of the expenses that you've had, right? And so to me, 
don't get fancy with it. Just be consistent with it and make sure that every month you are tracking that information because I promise you, not only will it be easier for tax time, but you'll know, like I had somebody, a new client just the other day, she was like, um, she told me how much she was making. I was like, okay, well, what are your expenses? And before you know it, I was like, so you're on track to net like $50,000 this year, net meaning like gross revenue minus expenses equals net income. And the net income is what she has to pay taxes on and self-employment taxes at that. And I was like, you know, you're on track to have to pay like $20,000 in taxes. Have you made any estimated quarterly taxes? And she's like, no. Right. Mm. So like you need to be keeping up with that information throughout the year. You need to know your numbers. I know it's scary to look at them, but I promise it gets easier as you do it. And even if you can't afford a professional, you need to be looking at your numbers month over month. So promise me that y'all are all going to do that. And you're not going to wait until January or February. And if you haven't done it yet, then you know what? Now's the time to start. Go back to January and get caught up through through September or or August even. Um, so so looking at your numbers, not waiting until the end of the year. The other thing from a tax strategy, I, I would I, would, I wouldn't be Kimberly if I didn't throw some tax strategy in there. <laughs> um, the easiest tax strategy is to make sure that you're not missing any deductions on the tax return, right? So um, we actually have a resource uh, with with tax deductions, whether you're a new business owner, whether you've been doing it for a while. Um, 118 tax deductions for service providers and. You just want to make sure. And what what I find happened, Michelle, is that, um, you know, you, you go and get office supplies at Target. So that goes on your Target card because you want your 5% discount. And then and then you're, you know, you're you're buying flights. You're going to a conference for the first time to try and learn. And so you put that on your Southwest card because you want to get the points there. And then mm-hmm. you you pay somebody via PayPal because they're doing some work for you and they send you a PayPal invoice. But then you have your, your actual business bank account. And so now all of a sudden you've got all these business expenses and they're all over the place. And you forgot, you forgot that you put it on the Target card. You forgot that you paid them via PayPal. And now you're missing legitimate business deductions, which will help lower your taxable income. And so that is my, like, that is my first tax strategy tip to new business owners is to make sure that, and, and that's why I say like, if you wait until February, you're going to forget that you put that target, you put that office expense on your target card last March because it's mm-hmm. been almost a year. But if you're doing your numbers in April, you'll remember, Ooh, I had that, I had that target run where I went and got, I got those office supplies. Right. And so to me, like that's, that is the most, the easiest and most critical first step to tax strategy as a new business owner is making sure that you're keeping track of all of your expenses so that you can make sure you're not missing anything and overpaying because your income is higher than it should be. Absolutely. I love that. And actually, when I first started, because I'm, I'm at the point now, I've been in business almost five years. Okay. And I have, I've had a bookkeeper for almost two years. And I just recently um, hired a uh, tax professional mm-hmm. as well, because I was like, okay, like, things are just getting a little bit too much for me to manage on my own. And I want to make sure that I'm not missing anything yep. that I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, and it's not your zone of genius, right? Like we just talked about, it's not your zone of genius. It's taking you away from, so it's twofold for me. It's right. Like you're not keeping up with the IRS laws and the code changes to know if you're doing everything properly. Right. And usually like, you know, it might take us 
an hour to to possibly prepare your tax return. It might take you six hours. Well, yeah. what could you be doing with those six hours? Whether you could be doing revenue generating activities or just having some free time, not stressing about taxes, right? So you need to think about it from that perspective too. And I see it go both ways. Like some people hire us first because they want to save on their taxes. Some people hire bookkeepers first, but I definitely think that by far and large as a business owner, one of the first things that you outsource is either bookkeeping or a tax professional. Um, if you can afford both all the better and like i know at our firm we always save our clients okay i can't say always because i don't i don't want to what if there's that 0.001 percent but mm -hmm. we typically save our clients more in taxes than what they're spending with us right and so if you find the right person the right bookkeeper the right tax professional the roi from your investment with them should be it should be so much greater exactly absolutely 100 so as when I very, very first started what I was doing and I wasn't able to uh, pay for anybody, I was like, how do I manage all this? And I did some research and I found an app and I believe it was called Everlance. Okay. And you're able to actually put in certain expenses. You're able to put in your miles, mm -hmm. things like that, that you drive and put in kind of like a purpose behind it. And then yep. some of your, your spending expenses or whatever, like that was a really easy thing to use. It was free. Mm hmm. It was a free app, yes. right? And listen, I love free as free. long as it makes sense, right? Free apps, free Google <laughs> Sheets, free Excel files, like y'all, free Exactly, files. exactly. Um, but I started using that for a little while until I ended up hiring the bookkeeper and I was like, all right, like, because I'm, I don't want to keep up with this anymore. Yeah. But it was helpful because then I was able to go back and look at that and be like, oh, right. And then I had to actually... If I went and took a trip somewhere I had that was business related, I had to put it in at that moment. If I made a, a, a purchase that was business related, I had to put it in at that moment. It's the same strategy I use when I recommend personal finance management with people, right? When you yep. make your purchases, when you go to the grocery store, when you go to a restaurant, you know, whatever, put it in, like use a budgeting app and put it in there right away or do something every day that you can take a couple of minutes and just track it every day because it mm -hmm. gets a little bit easier at the very least weekly. Yes. Um, but if you get in the habit of taking, you know, two, three minutes to put it in an app or something or make a note every day, it makes it so much easier in the long run. Well, and it's um, what you said. It's that word habit. It's, it's having it become a habit. The consistency and the habit is the key here. Absolutely. Um, so this has been such a full, full, full and fun conversation. I absolutely love this. Um, you mentioned a couple of resources uh, that could be available. I would assume that they're probably going to be on your website. Um, yes, I will make sure or, to get you all those. Links. Okay. All right. So if you could let us know if, you know, for people who want to connect with you, your social, your website, wherever it is that you want to direct them to, I will also put them in the show notes, but if you can um, say it out, that would be Yeah. So you can visit. So the best place to find me is on my landing page of Instagram, as I like to call it. I don't post a ton, but I love the voice DM. So I would love for you to send me a DM, but that is at Tara CPA firm. So T-A-R-A CPA firm. And then our website is the same, terracpafirm.com. And if you go to backslash download, that's where you can grab that 118 tax deductions for service providers. Um, believe it or not, we don't have, I'm such, you know, I, I don't walk the walk sometimes. You can't find our profit and loss template anywhere, that link anywhere. So I'll make sure to send that to you, um, Michelle, so that you can share that with your community. But Instagram's the place to come find me. And then I am, I love to chat with you and I can direct you wherever else you need to go from there. 
Perfect. Uh, so anyways, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Uh, it's been enlightening uh, for me and um, I know it's going to be enlightening for the customers, for the customers. <laughs> so we're talking about customers. Oh my goodness. For the listeners. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I love what you're doing. I am just here to support anyone who is having more open money and financial conversations. Cause I yeah. just think we need more of that, especially for women in our world. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Well, that is about it for today. If you need to connect with me or want to connect with me um, at dr.michellemarie all over social media and uh, www.drmichellemarie.com is my website where there are resources available for you there as well. Until next time, uh, we will talk to you soon. Bye.